Welcome to This Board Game Life. This is the show about board games, the people who play them, and anything else we really want to talk about. This is episode number nine, The Secret Service Secrets. On this show, we talk about some Kickstarter news, an interesting way to fund your board game addiction, and what we've been playing recently. My name is Rob. With me today, I have the co-hostest with the mostest, Jeff. All right. <laughs> How'd you like that one? That's a good, good one. Yeah, I, I like the last one better, but this one. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll try to mix it up uh, in in the coming episodes. Awesome. And then, uh, so you know, our last episode or episodes were all about TableCon, the big uh, extravaganza. So things have gotten a little bit back to normal, at least uh, for me. And I'm sure for you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let's, let's get on with the show and, you know, start hitting some of the little news topics here. Well, newsworthy for me, as everyone's probably heard. Ogre on Kickstarter. I've ogre. Got, ogre, yeah. You know about this game, yes? I know not of what you speak. Ogre, the game that has surpassed D-Day Dice as the number one. <laughs> What's it up to now? 282,246. 1,411% uh, funded. How much? 1,411% funded. Oh, that's, that's nutty. 262. 282,000 currently. Now, you know, I really haven't been following it a whole lot. Um, I remember the initial releases that they had, and it was going to be like, what, 100 bucks or something like that? Yeah. Is it still the, 100? The normal pledge is 100. But the reason I bring it up is not so much, you know, I, every, everybody's heard it's number one, it's raised a ton of money. Obviously, for, the, for anyone that's been around since 1977, which. Probably isn't me, but I, I mean, I played it at some point mm -hmm. back when I actually probably played the computer game far more than the the board game. But that's one of the reasons, amongst many, that I'm so familiar with it. Right. Uh, but I did back it, and I'm I am uh, I really do think there's a lot of value in the box. It's you know equivalent to four expansions plus now as things keep getting added. So thinking about it in those terms, it's 25 bucks a a game, which really is very reasonable considering the quality of the components. So I, I also, even though they're an established company, Steve Jackson Games, I don't take some of the offense that I've had with other titles because this, it was pretty clear this was always going to be made. And this was really just a way to figure out if they could, you know, what, what price point they could ultimately put it at and still have extra stuff in the box or, you know, if they were going to make it before they would have made 500, maybe, a thousand copies and now they can afford to make that many more and put more stuff in the box. So that's, it's, it's, you know, they're at like 1,955 backers. So now they're basically 1956. It there just went up one and it wasn't me. Yeah. So, I mean, they're making twice as many. That's going to, that's going to give them obviously more room to put more stuff in the game. I can't really find problem with that. The huge backing it's gotten obviously shows they under, estimated the audience at least by some much like perhaps War of the ring collectors edition did where they only only made even a thousand of those worldwide and there was 
probably twice the demand easily um, for it, if not more. So it, it kind of makes sense in this case, uh, you know, does, does the sort of designer additions I, I get. It was even the example I gave a few episodes back with Fantasy Flight or something, you know, releasing painted improvements or something. You know, they, it's real hard to say they should just take a risk like that. We're not talking about a game itself, but an established property and making some kind of deluxe designer or painted versions of things. Uh, that's a good use of Kickstarter in my mind beyond the sort of startup company. Uh, but in any case, the real reason I bring it up isn't to talk about any of that. Everybody kind of knows right. that stuff, but I wanted to talk about the mm -hmm. other things that this has really become for me, at least the first time in Kickstarter history, I've seen them, which is a couple of things, three things, in fact, which the first one is sort of a subbed out expansion where uh, someone has gone and there's a $3,000 backer level that puts a counter sheet in every game. And so now they've gone and they've started a thread on BGG and said, okay, for, for I want to say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about 59 or 60 bucks, you can put your name on one counter in the game. And you'll, you'll, you're helping put this extra sheet counter, you know, sheet of, of units in every game then. And if we can get close, you know, basically we want to make that $3,000 and then we'll officially do it rather than one person uh, taking on the burden of that. So it's kind of this group effort to get the, the higher level backing into the game. So interesting. I haven't seen that done before. No. And then the even more interesting one is what has been deemed this derivative Kickstarter where, and this is a $4,500 level. Now this one, I, uh, I'll talk about it first outside of the derivative part, but it's for $4,500 you know, you can go on the the Ogre website and see the exact details, but essentially what they're doing is giving you the ownership of your own expansion to the game. Now that that is almost an obvious thing that I just can't believe somebody hasn't thought of before. I mean, that is kind of cool. So they're not even setting a price that you can sell it at. So for forty five hundred dollars, they'll run you know whatever it was X copies of this sheet. You design it. They make it, they'll give you rights to put their name on it, you know, the Ogre brand name and such, and you can put it up on your website or give it away on your, you know, we could do it, you know, we could give it away on our podcast, right. for instance, right, or uh, or sell it, right, for whatever price you think you can get, and that's great, they're fine with that because they got their $4,500, and so they've almost kind of sub-licensed this out then to, you know, whatever the number of backers is they allow at that level, so as extravagant reward levels go there's just something about that i like more because again it's potentially you could actually make your money back on that or make more money you make you know you could make eight thousand dollars or something like that so uh, yeah because it's interesting you know, especially if you really like a property you know like like ogre because they talk about you know doing what three thousand copies of that sheet right so Technically, if you sell them as let's say like a promo item, five bucks each or something, I mean that right there is fifteen grand. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, amazing that people haven't shown up to do more of that. So, but the idea was this is where derivative Kickstarters come in, uh, because again, much like the mercenary thing, now that was the level at which it's included in every game versus sold separately. But the derivative Kickstarter idea was to go and start a, a Kickstarter a separate Kickstarter uh, linked in a way to this one and say the funding requirement is $4,500 and get people to kind of buy into it right. and fund that based on its own levels of 
rewards and backer this and that. And then ultimately, if that's successful, fold that into the parent Kickstarter, right? As now they ultimately contribute that $4,500 into the parent one. And then this becomes this reality. Uh, because again, uh, there aren't a lot of people that maybe have $4,500 to spend to make it happen all on their own. Uh, the, the, the difficult part, and I think why they've had trouble getting that off the ground, is A, Kickstarter may not allow it, and okay. and B, as you mentioned, there's some concern that I would probably even have of, well, if I'm, we're all contributing, so perhaps they ultimately make money off of the deal. You know, the 15 grand you talked about. Right. You know, or whatever it is, but I'm not going to really see a share in the profits. Although I could also. Well, they're already getting their 4,500, you know, because you're basically pledging 4,500 or more, and then you make 15. So you net 10. Well, 10.5. Right. Right. But the designers have basically said that they were supportive of the idea to where they would allow you not to contribute the $4,500 until it was raised as a separate Kickstarter. Oh, okay. And, And so that's perhaps the difference as opposed to me just saying I've got $4,500. I'm just going to go. You know, I I contribute to a normal Kickstarter knowing I'm not getting any part of the profits that Steve Jackson games is going to make all the money. And I'm not even as an investor, as you will, I just get maybe more than I'd get retail. So in a way, I don't know that I I really actually have a a problem contributing to Joe on board game geek who started a a derivative Kickstarter and might make money off of it because, you know, because good for him for putting in the work, I guess. Yeah. If, if I still ultimately get my copy and whatever other bonus benefits there are, and you know, perhaps you could argue there's no risk in this because if, it, if he doesn't make that level, then it doesn't happen, and therefore he can only make money off of it. But again, we're talking about that's basically the point of Kickstarter for any of them. So the fact that he's Joe on BGG, half the designers making Kickstarter games are Joe on BGG. So I, I guess I'm saying... It's hard for me to find the devil's advocate argument here to say a derivative Kickstarter has any kind of there's any kind of problem with it. I, it to me, it's it, I, I really don't see that it should it should be a problem. Uh, you know, nobody has to fund it, of course, if, if they are against the idea. But it doesn't matter now because now today the announcement of all people backing Ogre. I, have you, you? I'm not sure if you've heard this one yet. $4,500 level, just got a new backer today. Yeah, I heard. You heard? Yes, sir. Who is it? Share with our listeners. BGG. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Board Game Geek decided to support and back the Ogre Project at the $4,500 level. And I think there was even mention they might even do it at the double back it if there's enough interest. So $9,000. Because that stuff will probably go straight into the store. Yeah. Five, five bucks. Oh, yeah. Well, probably more than five bucks exactly. each. Exactly. The ma- very math that you used, I'm sure they, they looked at and said, well, if we're getting X number of copies and that five bucks a piece and we've got the ability to move them, unlike perhaps probably anyone else, because that's exactly what they're in the business of doing, it's uh, a no-brainer, really. Yeah, because, you know, they do pretty much everything at five bucks yeah. in the BGG store. Or at least all the promo items and all the cards. So. It, it might even be more than that because we're talking about an 8x10 punch board. Uh, I think there was even mention it could be 750 but you know, it certainly isn't going to be less than $5. Right. 
Well, I mean, it doesn't even mean that you're going to get the whole sheet because they could technically, let's say, do a bunch of counters and then, you know, you get six, right. You you get six per sheet for five bucks. That's 30 bucks a sheet. Well, so that's why I bring up Ogre on Kickstarter is a lot of interesting things happening around it just because of the, it's obviously going to go well over 300 grand. There's still plenty of time left. I mean, there has been some predictions it could even go half a million dollars. So this is just by far and beyond. We're also, because of this, we'll most certainly see Car Wars redone on, on Kickstarter as well. Okay. And that's, I, I played a lot less of Car Wars than Ogre, but it it might actually hold more interest for me as well. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, Ogre is just kind of this nice, simplified war game that I think has a place uh, in my collection also very asymmetrical it's one monster unit fighting against you know masses of other forces and that was always kind of unique trying to slow it down uh, blast weapons off of it destroy the treads you know basically immobilize it One thing about Steve Jackson games, though, that I always remember, and I don't know if you'd heard about this. So all this talk about Steve Jackson games and in, in kind of in the news and everybody's talking about Ogre, Car yeah. Wars, and uh, you know people are you know, people that have never even heard of Munchkin and all that stuff are, are now finding out about it again or, or whatever. People that have moved on past it are, are actually looking at the website again, and so uh, it's it's kind of. Strange for me because Steve Jackson Games has been one of those game game companies that's really not one I've I've had any dealings with recently because I don't play Munchkin I don't don't have a lot of interest in most of their current stuff it's it's really their older original titles that do hold interest for me like Ogre and Car Wars and such uh, but whenever I hear about Steve Jackson's games I can't help but remember probably the most interesting news item to ever have happened in the gaming world as far as I'm concerned, something which I would pretty much be sure that most of our listeners have not heard of, and I've not heard anyone bring up again uh, myself since Ogre News has started rehitting, but this is news from quite some time ago, and do you know what I'm I'm referring to, Rob? I I heard a little bit of the history of this, uh, of Steve Jackson games, and you know, a bunch of stuff that happened in the past, but it's real fuzzy right now. Okay. So Steve Jackson Games is, is and always will be, as far as I know, the only game company that was ever raided without warning by a force of armed Secret Service agents. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't hear that. Okay. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, yes. Uh, I mean, it's so it's actually, if you dig around, I, I, I don't know... I have a link for it, but I don't know how to get it off their main page. But they still have it posted, an article up on their website, uh, basically talks about it. And what it is is on the morning of March 1st, 1990, so this is quite some time ago, uh, out in Austin, Texas, they, uh, a force of armed secret server service agents, uh, accompanied by the Austin police and a civilian expert from the phone company, uh, occupied the offices of Steve Jackson Games and basically took control of their computer equipment. And uh, at the same time, the home of one of wow. the writers of their uh, role-playing game, uh, GURPS Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. uh, his, his home was also raided and, and 
you know, all his computers taken and that sort of thing. So uh, what it was is, uh, I guess, supposedly this person whom was working on this uh, role-playing game, they really thought this was uh, a, a front for real cyber hackers and, and computer criminals. And uh, in part because uh, that that uh, author had once reposted a copy of the Frack newsletter. If you've anybody who used a bulletin board back in the day probably yeah. saw those. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, and, and back, back then uh, companies had bulletin board systems and that sort of thing. And that's how we before the internet. That's how we passed around files and Absolutely. scenarios and and you know traded traded things. So. Um, you got to use the lingo. You got to call it a BBS. Yeah, the BBS. I ran one myself, so yeah, me too. Yeah. Got a couple. Yeah, the uh, the claim by Steve Jackson Games anyway was that it was uh, they were more a target of opportunity that uh, simply because of the suspicious activity by that uh, author, they had uh, gone ahead and gotten the authority to raid the offices, seize equipment, and all of that. And what happened then was there was a creation of the Electronic Frontier Foundation who ultimately helped them get the funds together to sue the Secret Service and win. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so, I mean, the ultimate, you know, end to that story is the, uh, you know, judge gave the Secret Service a tongue lashing, ruled in Steve Jackson Games' favor on two out of three counts, Awarded them three hundred thousand dollars total, which for a pretty small game company, especially at the time, it, and and in those ju- dollars back then, right? Not mm-hmm. adjusted for today's dollars. Uh, the the last count that they lost on was interception, which means, and uh, and and this is all taken from their posting, that uh, their email messages were not considered to be intercepted uh, because law enforcement sees the computer holding them. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's some more details and I'll, I'll post a link to it cause it is kind of hard to find on our, on our, uh, post section. But if you want to read the whole story and, and see that I'm not making it up cause it does sound a little far fetched. <laughs> uh, but again, it's on Steve Jackson games, actual site. It has been for years and years and years. I, I kind of wonder when they'll take it down if ever, but I, uh, again, I don't even know if it's linked in, but it's still hosted there. So check it out. Uh, it's what I always think of when I hear of them, even to this day. So. Oh yeah, and I, <laughs> that's going to be the same for me now. <laughs> it's weird. It's unbelievable. You just don't, you know, like that can't be true. No, that's an exaggeration. It's armed secret service agents, uh, you know, storming a game company office and seizing all of their stuff. No way. And yes way. One thing I wanted to ask real quick was they talked about how the new game was going to be you know, around $100. And I think Steve Jackson in an interview said that you know it was going to cost them more to print it. And they're really not going to make money. I mean, this is a while ago. I, I think I even before believe, the Kickstarter. Yeah, I would believe that under the original uh, boundaries of it that it really w- it was the first game he ever designed the first game they ever published and that for any designer that's going to hold a sort of a special place in your heart and at the same time it wasn't just this flop of a game I mean this really was 
this is a game that there are still fans of today, even for the original printing, which is, you know, really, really, I mean, it's maybe Victory Point games level yeah. of, we, I, of 1980, right? I mean, it, even that's for then, it was going to mention because originally it came in a bag, didn't it? Exactly, right. I mean, and it at, was and at the a time, bunch of papers and some chits that you punched up. Yeah, and, I mean, even Avalon Hill games were all, you know, mounted map boards and nice boxes and you had the SPI games which were more blister packs and map sheets but you know even compared to those this was kind of a yeah kind of a a, a lower quality offering but but a well respected one i mean it went on to generate a computer game in in a in a time and day when or i should say in a day and age when it wasn't so easy for anyone to just turn out a computer game so mm-hmm. You know, the property did get licensed for lots of different things and quite a few expansions for that game. Yeah, one final thing I wanted to add about this is that uh, there's the Board Games to Go podcast uh, done by Mark Johnson. On his episode number 45, back from 2005, he actually spends quite a bit of time talking about Steve Jackson games and some of the history because I guess he was kind of like a playtester for them back in the day. Hmm. And, I, did, uh, I did not know that. It's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting listen. So you might want to check it out. That's uh, Board Games to Go episode number forty five. Uh, check it out. Okay. We're not the only board gaming podcast. No. <sighs> okay. We are one of two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we just mentioned news, the other one. Used to me. <laughs> oh yeah. I did want to talk about something real quick, and you know, I thought this was kind of interesting, and I thought I'd bring it up on the show. Is that you know this hobby that we have? It is a little bit on the expensive side sometimes. You know, like when you want to fund hundred dollars Kickstarter games. Oh, absolutely. And you know, a lot of the games will be you know fifty dollars or sixty, seventy if you pay, you know, full retail for them, hundred, hundred plus, whatnot for some of the older classics. And, you know, you don't always have the cash to to, you know, get the board games that you want. Never. So one thing that's been kind of interesting, and I've been kind of toying with this and I thought this would be a great thing to do to fund my habit. Steal. Yes. I'm gonna go over to your house and steal. <laughs> no, no, house. not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll borrow them forever. Yeah. Where, okay, so there's these things called focus groups, which I don't know if you're, have you ever heard of them? Yeah, yeah, where they have, prick you with like a needle and then ask <laughs> you to stay overnight and report any side effects you experienced. Is that what you're talking about? You must have had that at a college <laughs> campus. Now, there's there's different kinds of focus groups. Okay. Basically, where everybody has an opinion of sorts. I guess some people's opinions are worth more than others. And this is where you can make your opinion worth something. Wow. Where okay. There there are places you can go online and there's market research companies that will essentially pay you for an opinion. You take a kind of survey of sorts where you get qualified and then if they have slots available for uh, a focus group in your area, it, it might be something obscure like, uh, I don't know, like let's say like 
Taco Bell, where they might have you come in and they'll like barrage you with questions, maybe have you do some kind of taste test, and then you just rate what you know what you think about the food. You know, they'll hit you up about price or this or that or whatever. And then you walk out of there anywhere from with like a let's say like a gift card usually, anywhere from like seventy five to two hundred dollars. Yes, I have heard of this. And, you know, they're usually less than two hours. Granted, you have to be in a larger metropolitan area, like, you know, Chicago or Los Angeles or, or whatnot. You know, the bigger cities to do this. But man, this is an easy way, you know, to fund <laughs> Yeah, I've got um a customer of, of ours actually makes a habit of doing that and somehow he's got on the bandwagon for all the liquor ones. So yeah. they, you know, he gets paid to drink, give an opinion, and then he get, it gets like a limo ride home because of course they can't have you oh, drive. So <laughs> <laughs> you get free booze, you get paid you get driven home, and you can buy some board games. Yeah, and all, and all, all he has to do is go, hey, I, I kind of liked that one more, and, and that one was a little too, you know, too much cork in that one. Oh, yeah. This is a, a buddy of mine's because I did a couple, like, years ago, maybe like 10 years ago, and I was talking with a buddy of mine who's been doing them pretty regularly now for the last couple of years, and then I had that eureka moment. I'm like, hmm, extra this money. Is, this is it. Yeah, this is moral justification. I mean, I made $200. I'm spending $200. <laughs> it's like, I'm, no, it's it's more like I'm covering the $200 uh, already spent. Yeah. Or, yeah, I made $200, so now I can spend 400 Oh, <laughs> there you go. It, actually, whatever it is, it's never enough. Yeah, it never is. Yeah, it, it's just interesting, like, some of the uh, some of the things that they have you do are really interesting. Like my buddy, and granted, you know, not all of them are like this, but my buddy, he got paid five hundred dollars to eat cereal for a month and then report <laughs> back. There's a couple of they they got a bunch of boxes. Okay, okay, okay. how do how do they know he actually ate any of it? They don't. It's it's just sitting in my garage in the box it came in. Yeah, I mean, I, I still eat the Rice Krispies every day, and I just chucked off whatever. Yeah, yeah. He, he said it was like a couple different boxes, you know, with different formulations, and you know, he just said that you know he sat at his table, he filled out the little surveys while he was eating it, and uh, he got free food. He got five hundred bucks for for this one particular one, and uh, you know, it it can fund that. Uh, that new shiny hotness that uh, you know we all want every other, or or day. you can just get a, a nighttime second job at Taco Bell, and after a month <laughs> you'll have two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, or more. So, but that here—that's my part in in helping my fellow Gaber get more games. That's a very uh, what a guy. Very interesting suggestion. That's that sounds like one of those secrets you're not supposed to reveal. So. Yeah. So if you're in the Chicago area, disregard this whole last segment. Yeah. Because I don't want you taking my spots. Yeah, my spot. I'm going to get in on this. All right.
So, Jeff, uh, what have you been playing lately? Well, uh, like an easy game I want to talk about first is, and I mentioned this back in our Game Lust episode of, of mm-hmm. some of the new stuff I'd gotten, and I'd tacked a game on to a couple of orders just to round out free shipping, and this one was Ticket to Ride India. And I really, really thought this would be kind of a waste of time and money, but was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. Uh, now, my original idea in getting this expansion was to get something that I couldn't play on the iPad, because obviously with Ticket to Ride being one of the key yeah. iPad games, it's very tempting to just play there and never pull out any of the board games. And, and, and actually saying that, then I realized, well, I have Nordic Countries and Marklin. I have a whole bunch of ones that aren't on the iPad anyway. Uh, but <laughs> it was also an excuse for the order. So, uh, But... Uh, so all that said, the thing is, uh, you know, I, I opened up a rule book to the game, and immediately, you know, I was like, well, what could they really add to the game that would make it fresh? You know, I've got four or five of them already, and I was really kind of surprised. This one does a nice job of it. Uh, it it's actually the kind of expansion, and I know this was the result of a competition that right. I thought about entering, and then, you know, I, I kind of put it aside and said, oh, yeah, I'll think of something, and then I promptly forgot to ever put another moment towards that but it's it's almost the kind of expansion where on one level i go oh come on anyone could have thought of this this is so obvious but then at the other at the other moment i'm also going wow this is genius i can't believe you know the guy just this is this is well done and so what it is is basically the the gimmick in this one if you will is that you want to connect your cities by more than one route right that's that's like I said. It's kind of like I like you know why didn't anyone think of that before? But at the same time, you know, especially the way it was integrated with this map in India, there's a lot of short routes. There's uh, you know, of course, visually sort of hard to describe, but it really kind of works well on the map as designed. And there's enough points. Uh, what happens is so for every destination ticket that you have that you complete multiple routes for. The, it's basically five points, but at the third one, it's it's a total of 20 points. They basically become worth 10 each at that point. Uh, so if you were to get five, it's 40 bonus points, which is pretty sizable. And this kind of becomes interesting because the way that you would normally play maybe any of the other games, you could kind of approach them with the same strategy despite their own little quirks. And this really kind of forces you to think differently and rather than finding this creative way just because you took a bunch of tickets to kind of link them all together or link them all in the longest route now you can kind of uh, you know it's it's a more evolved uh, geometry or geometric you know manipulation to try to figure out well okay now how can I have a second link through all of these that doesn't you know overlap the first one um, so I can maximize my points and if I do that better than the other player and that's going to give me the edge and so uh, again now sort of taken another level of randomness out of the game however and that's not what i want to debate this time you know the level of randomness in the game but whatever you believe it to be i think this is another step towards adding a little bit more reward for skillful play so i like that mm-hmm. and uh, so this was an expansion that worked for me yeah, especially given the relatively low price of it. And the other absolute win is the Switzerland map is on the back side of it. And right. Swiss, Switzerland was always a map that I like. I, that is on the iPad version. It's a great two- to three-player map. 
where um, you're a lot of times you're connecting to countries, and again, just kind of the way uh, the way it ends up working out is just really uh, it's really a real good tense two player map. Uh, there's some tunnels and some other things with that one too, but uh, very uh, you know for when I do want to play just with my wife, it's been a, a really interesting map to play on, and I've not grown as tired of it as I have maybe the USA map and things like that. So yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about India. You know, it really almost inspired me to pull the trigger and actually get it. Not quite, but. It, well, uh, and, it really it really seemed like an interesting twist, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it, if it would be enough on its own. It, it it almost would be, but especially with Switzerland. I mean, Switzerland again. If if you ever play with, you know, just your wife and yourself, uh, yeah. I, you know, Nordic. I it's been a long time for me that since I played Nordic, uh, but, and I remember that being playing well with less player count as well. But there's just a charm with with Switzerland that I think is, is sort of unmatched. So, yeah, I mean something that something to, to to check out. And I do have the Asia maps on another, I think on my Merchant of Venus pre-order. So I've probably joked about that before. So in another five years, <laughs> I'll get that one, and I can see what that's like. So <laughs> it's like by the time the next lander gets on. Venus, you'll get her. Yeah, if they ever, if they ever even resolve all the little lawsuits on that. So, uh, so how about you? Um, what's uh, what's one of the games you've been playing? Yeah, I I placed an order a couple weeks back for a bunch of easy play games. So I got them from Amazon DE and. You know, a couple of them have been making the making it to the table. Have you ever played any of the easy play games, Jeff? No, these are more like kid games, right? Well, they're different abstracts. They're kind of quick games, well, quicker games. You know, not much of a theme unless you call pawns and dice theme. <laughs> okay, so yeah, kind of like the it, uh, the Yinch and. Um, forgetting the names of them all now, but there was like that little series of abstracts that, that are still rated pretty well on BGG. Yeah, you, you know, they fall into the line of, like there's one that's sort of similar to Can't Stop. Okay. So it, it's it's that kind of game. I won't say maybe like a Sid Saxon type of game. So which ones have you played? I mean, what, what one would you say is... So one of them, like the most notable one, and the one that's gotten a ton of table time for me, has actually been one called Numeri. Okay. And I don't know if I talked about this on uh, the previous show or not. I don't think but, so. Yeah, but Numeri is actually, actually all of these kind of surprised me. They're actually kind of fun, you know, to the point of where I really kind of want to play them. <laughs> okay. Uh, especially Numeri. And the coolest thing about Numeri is that I got my three-and-a-half-year-old son to play. and So they are the, kind of kids' games. Well... Kind of. Family not, games. It, it's a game that's simple enough that a young child can get. I mean, some of them are. Numeri in particular, I think, lends itself to a, you know, a young kid. So for me, this was one of the first games that he was actually able to pretty much play the whole game, understand all the rules, and not just 
That's great. You know, go about and you know make up his own rules because that's <laughs> that's usually what happens. Kind of like yeah. you know, you start playing the game and then you know, you know, my son would just go off and all of a sudden start playing his own game with the pieces. Yeah, and, whatever, and whatever it might be. Unfortunately, I I, I kind of uh, went down the hobber route with with the with games for my son. So yeah. But, and, and, this... and I say unfortunately because there, there were, I don't know if there's more information about the easy play games out there, uh, but with Haba games, it's very hard to find information on which ones are good, which ones aren't. So I oh, end up buying tons of them just to sort of sift through them myself. And you know, at some point, I'll, I'll probably cover that more on a on a on a show. But yeah. the easy play titles, yeah, I, I think maybe the same issue there. I, I haven't heard a lot about these. Which ones are good? Which ones are the better ones? Well, the thing is, a lot of these really aren't available in the U.S. I mean, right? Well, and that's get similar. It, you with have to Hava. import it, basically. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's right. Although Hava is a little more available now. There's a couple, True. couple sources, but they tend to be pretty limited. Exactly. They never have the new ones and things like that. Yeah, they always have the same old, you know, the shorts. Yeah, the the ones that won the awards and things, yeah. you know, Animal Upon Animal and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and. And the thing about, okay, so Numeri, just to give a quick explanation of the game, uh, Numeri is uh, a fold-out board of, of, okay, well, the boxes for these are all pretty much the same size. They're maybe about, let's say, about eight inches square and about, I don't know, three inches tall, approximately. So they're all about the same size. Uh, Numeri's board is a three-piece fold-out board, so it's you know, rather long. And you get five of these wooden cylinders with numbers on top, and you get a die. So there's four, it's a four player game, so there's four different colors. My son and I, we always go, he goes for yellow, and I go for the blue. And all you basically do is there's a track of numbers uh, in, a, in a path, and when you roll a die, it's either going to be one, two, three, four, or five, or a star. Star is kind of a wild character. So if you roll a two, you take your t- numbered two, two numbered cylinder, whatever you want to call it, and you move it either onto the board or you move it forward to the next available space, jumping everybody in front of you. And essentially, that's the game. And you just take turns. You take turns, you get all your pieces on the board, and then there's some rules that, with my son, we've kind of skipped over. Like, after you get to a certain point, then you can start breaking up your your rolls. So if you roll a five, you can count it as a two and a three, or a four and a one. Okay. But we kind of gloss over that. And... All you do is, you know, you keep jumping pieces. If you get three in a row, you get to take another turn. And that's essentially the game. And oddly enough, it's I, I was I wasn't quite sure what to make of it initially, but it's fun. It's and it's awesome that my son's able to play it because this is right. like I said, this is the first game that he knows how to play. He you know he knows when he sees a star that he can move you know one piece, and he's usually pretty good about picking the best one to move too. Because, you know, you can move, you know, either the ones all the way in the back or all the ones, you know, towards the front. And uh, the the one piece uh, is that, 
the one piece that he doesn't quite get is the scoring piece. And I don't really expect him to get this yet because certain spots on the board have numbers on them. So at the end of the game, you know, whatever piece lands on there, you kind of multiply it out. Sure. So if you land on a three and you got your five, that's worth 15 points. Yeah, he doesn't quite understand that even though you get your piece all the way to the end, it doesn't mean that you won. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the meltdown that we as, have. As today. in so many games. Yeah. yeah, yeah he, so kids games especially. Yeah. Yeah, because we played it, we probably played it like four of the last five evenings before he goes to bed. That is that is one problem with young children. They once they play a game, they and they like it. They want to play nothing else but that game. Hey, I'm the same way. Are you? Okay, I I still enjoy new games. So no matter I how do much too. I like something, but I do too. And I guess my wife's kind of the same way too, which is why we play Ascension so much. Sure. Although I'm. I'm ready for something new, but well, yeah, I mean, so. that's, I mean, that's new Mary. It's a great little title, especially for less than 20 bucks as an import. I mean, it's, it's a great value. It's fun. It's reasonably quick. You can play it in less than half an hour and uh, it, it's pretty good for kids. Uh, there was a couple other uh, easy play titles. Uh, the only other one that I really played uh, was Finito with my wife, and it's kind of like Racco. It's like a combination of Racco, that old card game. Mm-hmm. You and we so, talked about that a couple couple shows back. Yeah, exactly. So check, it's, check that out. Yeah, it's kind of like Racco in combination with Bingo, and it's okay. Uh, I definitely like Numeri better. I don't think you could have described a game less for me than you just did, but yeah, but uh, perhaps unfair since I haven't played it. Uh, yeah, w- with that one, you have 12 of these little, mm, they're kind of plasticky counters that are numbered 1 through 12. And you have them all face down, and then you basically, you wind up putting them on your board in certain locations. You have a 20-sided die that gets rolled. So let's say if you roll... Uh, 16, then you have to put it on spot 16. And then eventually you have to start reorganizing to make it all numeric, in numeric order. So initially you do placing, and then you kind of just start shifting stuff around until you get, uh, you know, 1 through 12. It's okay. I I thought it would be a little more interesting than... uh, you know, then it turned out to be... You're not selling me here. No. <laughs> I mean, between the two, Numeri is, I think, definitely the better game. Okay. Definitely a lot more fun. And, and there's uh, a couple other ones. I haven't had a chance to play them yet. I'll uh, I'll talk about those in, in a future show. Okay. Uh, well, you mentioned Ascension, so that uh, brings up a game I've been playing, uh, reminds me of a game I've been playing now, which is Thunderstone Advance. Yeah. And this is, so I, again, a couple episodes back, I talked about, uh, probably might have even been in the Game Lust episode, where I talked about why I decided against Thunderstone, got rid of Thunderstone, decided right. I'd been done with it. Uh, don't don't particularly hate it or dislike it. I, my rating is you know, still relatively high for me for it. 
but it wasn't a game I wanted to spend any more time with. So it was kind of surprising to me that I, I really did feel like I needed to acquire Thunderstone Advance and give the game a second chance. And I would say, at least upon my first couple of plays, that uh, this is, you know, normally I am actually able to, to come to an opinion maybe quicker than right. uh, than in this case, but probably because I had already reversed my opinion once for, you know, Thunderstone, you know, the brief summary there is I, uh, when I played the initial game, I had really, really liked it in comparison to Dominion. There wasn't a whole lot else out at the time. Uh, just because the theme was deeper, but yet I had found a lot of problems with the rules, uh, particularly in the early 1.0 version, and had been one of the more vocal people about it, which they sort of then corrected much of it. But still, as expansions came out, I thought the expansions really just polluted the gameplay, led to a lot of right. just drawn-out, really brutally long games that, that ultimately just weren't fun. And, and that was the feedback I was getting from, from many that I had played with. And almost to, to the exception of one uh, gamer who I actually do play games with a, a lot, but pretty much everyone else had parted with their copy and, and come to the similar conclusion. Um, so it wasn't something I was getting a, a wide amount of, of love or play in, in the wider gaming groups that I've, I've been in either. So that said, I was very surprised by how much improved the Thunderstone Advanced title was. And I've heard other people say that if you didn't like Thunderstone, don't even waste your time with Thunderstone Advance because it's essentially the same game and they haven't fixed anything that you would have complained about. And I, so I will go on record saying I believe that statement to be false. In my opinion, right. uh, there is enough improved here that if you... I mean, to be fair, I mean, if you just absolutely hate deck-building games and hate Dominion, hate... Ascension, hate Thunderstone. Well, the, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any reason you're going to like this one. But right. if you were kind of like me and you saw some things interesting about Thunderstone, but because of uh, this reason or that reason, it didn't work for you, I, I think it's probably worth the other try. Now, that said, I don't know if this is going to have the staying power for me, uh, that it won't still end up something in, in the trade pile that I don't personally own, but now maybe have a more favorable opinion when somebody else says, hey, do you want to play this or play a game of this? And, and uh, you know, as, in, instead of avoiding it, I'll, I may well ever occasionally go, yeah, sure, why not? Um, but that still remains to be seen. I, you know, I've probably played the new version four times, five times maximum, so not a whole lot of plays. But given I've played the base Thunderstone 40 times or something, maybe as much okay. as... Uh, you know, I think that's probably enough to form an opinion on. So the the things the things I like, in in some ways, seem like petty changes, but they are I think sizable changes. I personally, I'll start with the one that I really like the most. I like the thing the 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 uh, new feature called prepare. It's a new action that you can take. Oh yeah. And immediately when I had played, uh, what comes to mind is Barbarossa. That's this. Most people find the game really offensive, right? It's the anime art with the Girls with you know their underwear showing and things, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a Nazi themed at that and uh, well we'll just leave it at that. But playing that game it was was the first game I had played where you could save a card, and when I played that I was like this is 
this is again one of those. This is so obvious, but brilliant. I mean, it, it really it's genius. Yeah, it takes some of the randomness out of the card draw. So when you do draw that one hand, you're just oh come on, how could I possibly draw like you know out of if it's five or six cards depending on the game, you know, I've literally just drew all garbage. Yeah, my next hand's going to be good, but maybe now the next hand's too good. So that between the two hands, I had one too good hand and one really bad hand, and my opponent drew more. You know, too average hands that he was able to, you know, get two things accomplished now where I get one accomplished just for card draw. That doesn't really seem fair. And when the game comes down to a couple of points, really was it who played better or who just drew the cards better. So so seeing a game where they had this hold one card concept, that was neat. And the way that it's implemented in Thunderstone Advance is it's really an unlimited number of cards, which I thought was kind of even better. So you basically pass your turn, but you save the cards you want. And, and uh, you know, you kind of like put those back on top of the deck and discard the rest of them. So maybe maybe you really need to do that dungeon visit because there's this really tough monster. And that's one of the things that happens. The mon- You know, the monsters get clogged up. So I drew, I drew these three heroes I needed, but I didn't draw any weapons that combo with them, right? Or I didn't, I didn't get any light whatsoever. So, uh, you know, now I have to pitch my whole hand, and they're otherwise, you know, maybe they're not worth money, or, I, or I'm at a point in the game where I don't need to buy anything else. The prepare action saves all of that. So now I'm, I'm virtually guaranteed that I'm going to have a better hand the next round and able to accomplish what I wanted. So if you use it right and don't overuse it, I think it does add to the game. And, and in its uh, by itself, it's an interesting choice added into the mix, and then combined with some other things helps alleviate other concerns or problems maybe uh, that some had had. So that's the first thing I like. The other, the, you know, and I haven't really thought out the order. This is kind of off the cuff, but if I had to think of the next thing, it's kind of a minor thing, but something that really makes a difference for me, the change in the militia. Uh, so now, now they're called regulars, and I think they've improved a lot because, first of all, they only cost two to upgrade. So what I like is they're they're cheaper to promote, so it's actually worth promoting them. And there's actually a couple of neat cards that uh, there's like a hero that gives you free promotions now. And there's some other sort of ways they've put in to to help uh, advance your your heroes. Uh, But the other thing is then they have this combo effect with the Iron Spear, I believe it's called, that is now one of the starting weapons that replaces the dagger. And so then if you have those two in combination, you get to draw an extra card and, and so forth. So uh, they're just, they just come out a little bit more valuable than the total deck cloggers they were before. And considering you're starting with 12 cards, that was a lot of cards to kind of have as wasted cards. Uh, the other thing they did is they got, they got rid of Iron Rations and replaced it with the Thunderstone Shard, which basically, is, if you have it with you, gives you extra experience points, which uh, then turns into leveling your guys that much faster and puts more XP into the game. And so, you know, the, basically the just the starting cards are a little bit more useful. It's not quite as uh, brutal. And, you know, and, and that's kind of a theme throughout the whole thing. And I, I mean, I guess purists will argue, well, it's supposed to be hard and brutal. And, you know, that's the whole point. But, uh, you know, for many, it was just, it was often... Yeah, challenging is the wrong word, but it was just just stupid, crazy hard, right? I mean, it was, your first turn of the game, you'd have you know three of the most impossibly hard to beat hero, uh, 
monsters come up in the dungeon. Oh yeah. And you know, you, and you never drew the light card you needed ever, and there was no light for for sale. So. Uh, the other thing they have is there's a version of the board called the Wilderness where the light penalty is half of what it was before. It's like the intro board. Yeah, but I don't even I don't even like calling it that because I think there's good reason to play on that board. You know, maybe it's just uh, you know it it just changes the the style of game because there's a fourth slot now too, so you see more uh, monsters and there are again heroes that let you swap positions and some other things within the dungeon so that plays in differently if you have four monsters exposed and and things like that so uh, there is no thunderstone card now there's a thunderstone bearer i like that improvement so the old one you know was kind of almost unfair in the way that it works so now there's a thunderstone bearer and uh, you know like uh one of one of the ones that that comes out kind of stays in that fourth spot. So if you don't otherwise have a way to move him forward, he kind of stays there while other ones show up. And uh, you know that's kind of a and, and of course they're harder to kill. So it's kind of a combination of the guardian and thunderstone. Uh, so I, I liked that. Uh, you know, there's obviously they've taken borrowed a little bit from the epic version where now when you when you seed it, there's a certain maximum of any one type so you tend to get you know uh, two to three weapons and spells and villagers and items and such so just a little bit better mix of things there's also levels on the monsters and uh, the rules don't really tell you to stack them with level ones on top and and so forth but at least by drawing three different levels you're not going to have all the hardest creatures in, in one game, right, or, or just right. tons of easy games. So you're going to have that, that sort of perfect mix of one easy set, one hard set, one medium set, and you can kind of, they, they give you sort of the boundaries for then creating your own house rule on that too. So, yeah, if you want to do an introductory game, absolutely stack all the level ones on top. You know, but as the rules are written, you still shuffle them kind of all together, but you could even do... As I've, I've seen suggested, uh, you know, shuffle the ones with half the twos and, and the threes with the other half of the twos and then stack, you know, one deck on top of the other just to um, have a, a more natural progression and shorten the game. Because that's the real complaint. That's the real problem I'm having with the game still is it really still playing out really long for a deck building game. And I don't know that I enjoy deck building enough that I want it. I want to routinely play a deck building game that takes longer than an involved board game would take and uh, even with two some of the games have really kind of run long really yeah uh, certainly as compared to ascension but even as compared to like dominion in, in in most cases so a lot of it depends on the draw uh, a lot of that's mitigated a bit it's not nearly as bad as the original thunderstone uh, so that's again where it's i even at five plays I, i've i don't have a good feeling for whether it's unacceptable or not with the length, but it's kind of my one concern uh, or biggest concern. The the other improvements, there's the is it disease cards, curse cards. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. It's funny how the the games all bleed together after a while. If you haven't, yeah, I didn't play it. I haven't played it in the last couple of days. Bleed together. That's nightfall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, the bleed, yeah, the, the wound cards, the wound. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's variations of them now, and there's different ways to get rid of them. So one of them you just you can get rid of at any time, but now when you redraw your cards, you draw only up to four. 
uh, and other ones work similar to you know say before and and there's there's a probably a good eight nine ten of these things and I, I really liked that I I think before they'd even had like different names but all did the same thing or or maybe that was a nightfall thing too right the at least in the original game there were different wound cards but they all did the same thing right some of them had different names I want to say. Um, so it's kind of that thing I've seen in different games, but they never really got creative with it. Well, here in the Thunderstone new base set, I liked that they got creative, and there's varying things that these things do. So when you get one, maybe you get one that's not so bad for you in the way you've built your deck, and maybe you do. Uh, there's also a uh, familiar that you get the first time you win a battle, and this is interesting because based on the amount of uh, experience points you accumulate, you can invoke a different level of effect. And, and at that point, then you discard it into your deck. Otherwise, it sort of stays in front of you and you can use it at will. But you never actually give up that experience. So that's kind of neat. Uh, and so this then, it's kind of a random benefit, but they're fairly well balanced from what I can see. And it maybe gives you some direction. You draw it and you know, since it's going to be early on. Maybe you now tune your deck a little bit more in that direction. To, to try to continue to leverage that ability, special ability. So, um, so that's interesting. And there's, there's also avatars, and I haven't haven't actually spent the money to get it. I didn't pre-order, so I didn't get that bonus. But I, I will probably pick those up. Again, overall, if if the play length were in check, I'd probably hang on to this game, and it would be something that I'd, I'd probably look at more fondly than. Uh, you know, my, I guess what I'm getting at is my concern is still for expansions. I, I wonder if they've thought it through better this time than uh, than perhaps the last, and that as expansions come out, it's going to continue to build in a way that doesn't. Because uh, because I, I should say the original Thunderstone base set I thought was well tuned, worked well within itself. The first right. expansion didn't break it so much, but then as we started to get past that one. You know, even I even had like the app that was generating, you know, based on certain parameters, and it still seemed like every combination was just was crazy, painful, and and drawn out, and uh, and so then it got to the point where you basically had to just manually pick combinations that you knew would work together, and I I always found that kind of, you know, I'm not not the biggest house rule fan, so. To have to sit there and go, well, you know, we'll play with this one and this one because I know they work together. The whole point was kind of to do this random draw as they had it set up. And so, again, back to this base game, I think it works very well within what they have here. But now as they reintroduce things like traps and, you know, other elements, what, you know, does it ruin the game? Does it enhance it? I'm not sure I'm as sold on that point, but you know, I, I, I guess the the future remains to be seen on that, and I don't see any particular reason based upon how well I do like this as compared to the old one to get rid of it anytime soon. So I, I think I'll certainly wait. Probably uh, for the, uh, it's probably sold me enough that I'll pick up not only the avatars but the next two expansions, uh, and, as, and assuming the next one doesn't doesn't do an awful job, uh, then then it'll get yet a, a second chance, and so it could be. It could be a game that I, I go back to really being quite fond of because I am a fantasy fan. I do find the theme absolutely in this game much more as compared to, even to Ascension or Dominion on that level. I mean, this one, I did get a better feeling too of the, and I don't know what if it was maybe because of the 
the way the weapons are done in this one, or uh, maybe again just some of the special effects in this one. But it, I, I did get more of that party feeling playing this one, where I really felt there was a little bit more of a story that we were telling, going to the dungeon with a party, and I had this, these weapons, and uh, you know we we killed this guy, and then he gave me that benefit, and you know there's always room for more of that, but for for being a deck builder the theme comes through it's certainly above average as compared to other deck building games for me and and that's always been a plus for thunderstone too and probably a lot of the reason why i gave it a second chance so maybe that's the caveat here is if if you didn't absolutely hate the original thunderstone and you were kind of neutral on it but you're otherwise a sort of a fantasy fan then you know seek out and definitely give the this new version another shot because there is, I mean, I listed, what did I list? Probably a dozen differences. I, I think that's, that's sizable. It's, it's not like they just made a couple little minor things that didn't have any effect. I think these things, even the minor ones, really do have, uh, all of them, for me, have a positive effect. It just have any of them shorten the game or open the door for expansions to not add negative points to it. That's the only concern I have. So. Right. So that's probably so, that's probably the most positive, neutral, negative-sounding review I've given, <laughs> or, or ever will, I guess. But uh, yeah, so you know, I think I think Thunderstone is sitting around a six for me in BGG terms, and I tend to since I use the full scale, even my sixes are actually a really good rating. It's probably everybody else's eight, um, but but an eight for me is around the level at which I have I keep games. So uh, so where things are today. Uh, you know, because I'm keeping it, it almost has to be an eight, but I would say maybe it's uh, 7.5, right? Because I'm I'm still kind of deciding. I, I got to kind of wait for the future on this one, see where it goes. So somewhere between a seven and an eight is where it falls, and I think that's pretty good considering there's a lot of deck builders I've talked about that I didn't like, even the first go around, and and Thunderstone I certainly did and fell off, and now it's kind of back. So uh, also for me, I know there's different stances on this, but for me. The rulebook, while I could envision a better rulebook, and I want to say this one's probably like 40 pages or something. Uh, you know, when you compare it to the original Thunderstone rulebook, it's quite lengthy. Uh, but I, I do think they made at least a good attempt at covering. There's detail on just about every card in the back. Uh, there's a lot of variant information. There's a lot of information on how to get started easily. I think there's a quick play uh, introduction that's just uh, the, the front and back of a maybe like a tiny four-page booklet, so you can get going right away. If even if you've never played it before, uh, there's a lot of reasons why I think the rules are an improvement. Right? There's always room for more improvement, but that being one of the biggest complaints about the original original release, I, I I I see I see that there was definitely more effort put into this one. So that's another another definite plus. It's certainly not. Uh, it's certainly an improvement again over over the last one. Oh, and I think I mentioned this in the Game Lust episode, but the most notable thing for me too, I really really do like the layout of these cards. I I, I mean, and, and on this, I yeah. I don't care if I turn into hating this game, which I, I doubt is going to happen. But if if I if I hate this game in a year's time, I, I think I will still say I I don't think I've seen a better card layout design than the Thunderstone Advance. I really like it, and it's it's hard to see until you have all the cards kind of set in front of you, but uh, just every every choice, every decision they made, uh, I, I mean, if, if, if 
and I'm of course not qualified in the art direction department, but if I were, it seems like this is right out of my head, exactly as I would imagine or do it. It's not overdone like some you know fancy flight titles are where there's just too many squigglies and too much flair, as I called it. But yet there's detail and interest, and the color choices are good. I mean, the, the artwork is good. The, the iconography is excellent, much improved. Uh, very was very easy for my wife to pick up again. She hadn't played it in years either. You know, there's there's more text on the cards. It's 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 clearer than the others. It, yeah, I, I can't say enough about the the layout. You know, the artwork, the that whole design is just awesome for me. I really like what they did here. Yeah, because I mean, this is a game that essentially got rebooted, and it got it needed it redone. See, this is... Right, and it got redone in every aspect. Not right. only is it. I mean, they easily could have just released, you know, a PDF on their website with like new version rules, which yeah. I think they've done. Yeah, they did. That's how I got the yeah. one dot four for the original right. game. But exactly. But they decided to redo everything. I think the only thing they really didn't redo was the insert. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so oh yeah, and of course this one does come with the little tokens for experience points. The, yeah. the original original base game anyway had the experience cards and. I think yeah. they one of the expansions added that too, but but now the base game comes with that. Because didn't they go with plastic tokens in in one of the expansions? Yeah, I, I, I kind of remember it being added at one point. Originally, again, they were just cards, and that sucked. But right. mm-hmm. uh, but that's a nice thing that you get now in this, and and you of course you get this beautiful board which you never had before that has oh, all yeah. the slots and so I didn't even really mention that cuz one side is the wilderness and one side's the dungeon but that's you know it really because it's almost non-optional but they've kind of kind of caved into it by the time you carry all your cards I mean you're carrying a pretty big box around either way so you could certainly play without the board but I I think it is neat it, you know it it has spaces for the familiars and disease cards and all of that so I liked it it was a good quality double double printed so the value seemed there. And I think it's really cool that they did add the board because yeah, like with Ascension, you could easily play Ascension without the board, but we play with it all the time. Actually, we've never played without the board just because, you know, I, it's nice to yeah, see the like little, it. yeah, it's I nice to have little areas. You have your like clean board, little I space. I like board games. So I, you know, I like why, you know, why not have the board? You know, it's, yeah, it keeps everything kind of neat, you know, centered in the table yeah i but so especially if you do that with ascension the thunderstone one one's even more useful than that oh absolutely uh and you know it's a good reminder too for newer players of the light penalty at the different levels and you know different sides of the boards and stuff like that so uh you know the minimum and maximum numbers of cards uh but yeah it's yeah i don't know if there's a little bit of i told you so in it but you know this is in terms of you know okay they made the reboot you know, I always kind of said it needed a, it needed some tuning, and almost everything that all the all the little issues I would have raised were all the things that they tuned. So, uh, you know, I know I, I had posted some of that way back in the early days, but I'm I'm sure they they gathered it from others who had, you know, been much more vocal in recent times. But uh, but it seemed like they really did take feedback in mind, and they really looked to, you know, no one I wouldn't expect them to change what the core of the game is. That wouldn't make any sense and still call it Thunderstone. So, yeah, I mean, at its very core, there's certain things that are still the same as before and and very well should be. But, you know, to to even change something as as fundamental to the game as your starting hand, I mean, that's a pretty significant change. 
in 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 the ways that they've done that. So oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's this. I think they really did. They really went and looked at every aspect of the game and said, okay, does this work? Yes, no, or yes, but either this might work better. And you know, probably went out and and it feels like you know, yeah, they they play tested this with people who'd never played Thunderstone before. Play tested it with people who'd played tons of Thunderstone before. Tried to make both groups as happy as possible and yeah so this is what unfortunately i think many games need you know i've mentioned you know say dungeon run and uh some of those games where you know really it needs the second edition but yeah wow it's for me uh whatever i end up ultimately thinking about it in another five or 50 plays i i, I still strongly do feel that it's absolutely in every way an improvement upon the original so very worthy and admirable in in that regard so um and for some that doesn't own a lot of aeg titles uh so i'll you know would we'll, we'll be one of the times where i say you know great job aeg very cool <laughs> yeah I, I mean i was pleasantly surprised with what i saw except for the insert but hey yeah you can't have everything <laughs> So what else have you been up to playing? And, uh, we had uh, a little bit of a card game marathon. I'll just run through these real quick. Ran through Colorado. I had a game with my son. I gave that a shot just to see how that would go over. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with New Mary. <laughs> okay. Uh, Thanks even... for the heads up on that. I was thinking it, it seems simple you know, from an adult standpoint, but the... Yeah, it's hard to grasp kind of what what you do, why and when, and yeah, you know he's pretty good at for, for the, young, young children. I take a pile and then I put the yellow card on top of the yellow, and you know, blue but, on top of the blue. But the, he... but, the, but the whole fun of that game comes from it, it, and it's kind of all of those games. If you play with someone who doesn't get the strategy, it becomes no fun at all. Yeah. So. And it's hard to kind of explain without showing examples, but uh, you know, there's you know, even we talked about we recommended that game for uh, for newer gamers last episode, and also the Zuloretto Dice game. And playing that more, I'm still waiting and getting a physical copy of that one. But as I play it more online, it, it does encourage me that I see people who have now played 80 games, even though I'll never probably get to that, and have won 60. I think this one guy was 64 of 80. Wow. So th- that's right along with some of those other games that I talk about, right? Where it's like the first couple of plays, you're like, what random load of CRAP is this? You know, right. This is just total, complete random nonsense. And now I'm rolling dice, it's even more random. Mm-hmm. No, there is really a lot of a lot some... of good choices and manipulations. and There's a method to the madness. Yeah, and, and, and it varies up and you know, it's... Uh, it's one of those games I really want to go make like a strategy video on just to kind of share that and and show those examples. Um, but you know, a lot of times I'm maybe I'm trying to bait somebody and go, uh, and especially in the two players. And then it happens with Colorado too, right? Where I go, I think you'll take these because they're kind of what you need, but then that's going to leave me free pick from more cards, and um, it's kind of a push your luck. But it, because there's more cards there. Maybe now I'll get three things that I needed as much as you needed your two, and I'm right. going to be one up. But now you're faced with if I don't take that <laughs> now, right? And and so there's a little bit of that, and then there's also uh, you know just looking at where things are at, and uh, I, I think that comes out even more in 
in the dice game because you know you don't you want to be first to have a certain number of each animal, but you don't want to go over. And so then you're kind of looking right. to seed that where like okay you need you need one elephant, and then you're going to get a bonus point so that you get you get that's basically two points one for the elephant one for being the first to have the enclosure filled. But I'm going to go ahead and stick a second elephant on it. So now you're going to go over, and that's two negative points. So basically now you're scoring zero. Or even better than that, because maybe I have only one spot open as well, I'm going to put this other animal that you've got, you've filled your enclosure, but I haven't filled mine. So now you can't take it unless you score negative points. Uh, and, and then there's the but, right? There's another but. But if you take the negative points, now you can take as many of that creature you know, that animal as you want without scoring further negative points. So there's almost a point where you want to do that. So now that's that's no longer a constraint, right? And then not only that, but if you get three money, two money, one money, there's this progress where then you can neg- negate out those negative points. And so it's this vicious sort of circle of, of uh, manipulation that you're trying to do by arranging these things on the truck. And so that's right. why really somehow... It takes a while to get it, but I, I still just real impressed by that that whole line of games. Um, oh, absolutely! The way the the, the the strategy plays out once once you've you know it's definitely uh, an example of one of those that takes a couple of of plays before you kind of understand what the tricks are to it. And again, it's an awful game to stick all new players on because if ever nobody knows any of that stuff. Or doesn't think of it, you get stuck in that initial group think where everybody just kind of thinks you, you just okay whatever it is I just put them on different trucks and everybody puts them on different trucks and I just take one and I try to take the best one and all the decisions are obvious. So I, I know where those kind of comments come from, but there is more to it if if you um, you see those other things going on. And and usually it's going to take somebody that has to kind of teach you the game. And there's different ways of getting taught the game getting schooled yeah (laughs) yeah yeah with Colorado I kind of went for that one with my son because man if I have to play another busy town or another sorry (laughs) sliders I'm just gonna throw myself out of the window Grant that I won't, won't be very far or fall, but I, I just I just can't handle the sorry sliders. I and mean, we even have the cars one, and yeah, it just oh. So I'm 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 really reaching. And I'll have to I'll have to come up with a short list of hobby games that you should try. So. Yeah, we'll have to see how those go. <laughs> so, you know, I I wound up uh, going with my son one game with that, and then I played uh, a game with my wife and my son. And that one, the game would have been a lot better if my son wasn't there because he was not having it with (laughs) the three of us playing. So he was kind of being a poor sport, let's say. Other than that, we dusted the cobwebs off of Dominion. And I, I still need to do that. Mine, mine sit gathering yeah. dust as well. I even have one in Shrink. I still have Prosperity in Shrink. Perhaps one of my longest in Shrink games. And that's probably one of the better expansions. I know. And I still have it in Shrink. Yeah. <laughs> Z- I just have no, nothing. There, there's so many other deck builder games uh, that I, I keep ending up uh, 
playing those and and I'm still indecisive on a couple of them and need more plays of of say core worlds uh, mm-hmm. um, uh core worlds is one that's been you know more on the borderline for me and uh and rune age is one maybe again because i I kind of like the fantasy stuff uh i I kind of had liked more than others had and I'd really like to see what they do with the first expansion on that one before it's been kind of hard for me to render a a final verdict on it as is. Um, but any day now, it seems like it's been out just long enough that that one should be due for an expansion. But yeah, oh, Dominion, yeah. Dominion's rough. Um, uh, you know, I maybe really... that one needs a reboot too. You know, the art, those big fat black borders that they have and the, the kind of remedial looking art in comparison to some of the other games. I, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, I guess if you I, like I, it, you like it, but it's, I think there's two or three. Mismatched. There's two or three more expansions that are coming out. I heard an interview with uh, Donald X a while back, and I guess the there's like two or three more expansions. They've been done for a long time, and they're just waiting to release them. And I know he's kind of moved on. He started doing some other games. Exactly. Some of the games he's had See, from, even yeah, he's from a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Dominion has had a nice run. It's had a lot of expansions. Uh, you know, it's just it's um, done its fair share of milking, and it's, it, it's perfect. I mean, it is in some ways still the perfect introduction for Euro gamers because it is so sort of themeless by comparison to most of the other deck builders uh, that it it really highlight. And that's exactly why people like it too, right? But it really highlights the mechanics behind everything and and the way that you, you know you build. Off of everything and, and such, but th- that's only fun for a while. And, I, and at a certain point, I just I want to move on to something that has maybe a little more theme to it, a little more uh, of a story. So yes, that uh, makes me sound like not a Euro gamer, but <laughs> Euro snob. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it's just Dominion. I I'm indecisive now, right? So it's it's back to somewhere I'm somewhere neutral on it. Where uh, uh, was you know of course like every anyone uh, I'm very much a fan of it and the, the first uh, well that's one where I don't think any of the expansions really broke it either uh, versus say Thunderstone which is one of the reasons why I've kept Dominion all this time even after having pitched Thunderstone you know you had Alchemy then a lot of people didn't really care for but I wouldn't wouldn't really say it, it broke the game or no. cumbersome or anything like that so and uh, and then you know Prosperity like I said I that's sort of where I had lost interest and it's just sort of fallen off. And in my larger game group, again, everybody, everybody, I think without exception has moved off of dominion, traded, sold, buried, burned their copies. So, um, right. so it's also tough to get played. And, uh, you know, with, with my wife, there's just because of all the other deck builders, newer stuff and, and being the cult of the new person, uh, we've, we've just spent more time with that stuff. So, um, haven't haven't really had reason to go back to Dominion, but as I play, and there have been quite a few of these new deck builders that I just absolutely abhor. Part of the reason why I did give Thunderstone another shake was exactly that. So uh, Dominion maybe is well deserving of, of of similar treatment. You know, maybe I do need to pick up some of these better expansions uh, and or break open Prosperity and say, well, you know, hey, what uh, what is what is the current Dominion experience like? So oh, yeah, then. My wife is the one that suggested this, you know, the, the play of Dominion. And, man, I was really kicking and screaming. I just was like, you know, do you want to play this? Do you... 
I was about ready to start saying, you want to play Sorry Sliders? You want to play <laughs> Busy Town? <laughs> but, I, you know, I relented because, I mean, she didn't bring it up in a couple months now. So, actually, maybe like two months. So, we haven't played in two months. And, I mean, that was a nice enough break. So, you know, I gave in. We played two games because, you know, by the time you get all the cards out, because I think we have every expansion and it's all in this big plastic case. You know, by the time you get everything out and sorted, you know, it's yeah. not one of, it's not one of those things cuz I mean it takes like 10 15 minutes to set up, That's which I know is one of the complaints. With a problem but, with Thunderstone too, uh, especially because Thunderstone has an even more complex setup with uh, between all the different card draws, uh, particularly in the in the original game too, you know, with the you have to pre- prepare the uh, the traps and whatnot. So, you know, that was one always the strength of Ascension. It's just, you know, faster setup, faster teardown. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, with the iOS app, it's even better. But uh, I wonder, Thunderstone, they say there's a, an iOS app in the works. That's exactly why we have Nightfall, because it was optioned uh, to somebody else first. And then here, you know, Playdeck or whatever has actually finished the one they got instead, and we're still waiting on any news on, on Thunderstone. Uh, Dominion's, of course, also in the works, but I, I wonder those those do kind of strike me as games that are almost better on the iOS because you, with all I mean you could play a whole other game just in the time saved setting up and tearing down. So yeah. uh, there's something to be said for that. I mean if you don't have all the time in the world or you know it's later at night, yeah, there, there's there's definitely times where the, I don't want to pull out. Uh, the the deck building game just because of the the, the setup and, and and cleanup involved and uh, you know there's just even even most of the board games are just far easier to, to to lay down on the table and get going with so oh absolutely so yeah I'd like to see um, you know Ascension had an interesting take but I think there's room for someone to come up with something really creative there and I don't know what that would be maybe it's an even better storage solution but more likely it's some sort of mechanic to how you know the game gets set up, or how cards get pulled uh, pulled out of the box, or something along those lines. So it, uh, that that there that would be an interesting enhancement, evolution, the next evolution. So, um, but it's but so again, since we've been sort of talking about deck builders, I'll say that for me, and yet Ascension oddly is one that doesn't have this, but I really do I really do think it's almost a necessary component that there's some mechanism in a deck builder to, to hold back a card. At least one card, if not portions of your hold hand, like uh, Thunderstone Advance. I think that really helps a lot. Uh, from memory, now it's been a while, but I know I think I want to say Rune Age had that. You could hold back one card and, you know, Barbarossa. There's been quite a few now, and in, in all of those games I've, I've found I like them much more than other deck builders that don't have a mechanic for that. Right. Uh, because, again, I feel that my choices have have had a more direct influence in my losing <laughs> more quite often or winning, right? So mm-hmm. I enjoy that. Also, that's just that dilemma, that choice, the dynamic there. So Yeah, so, you know, we got the Dominion games in, actually two of them. Played a game of Ascension, old standby, kind of on the fence about the new expansion that's coming out. You know, it. we'll, we'll see. Storm of Souls is really good. Uh, I'll probably wind up getting it. Even though I'm on the fence right now, as soon as it comes out, I'll probably grab it. The last game that I want to talk about was Lords of Waterdeep. 
So I got this one down, and I know we talked about this in quite detail a couple of yeah, episodes ago. I've got a, uh, quite a few more plays of it in, too. In fact, well, go ahead. Yeah, it... So I got this. Uh, I got one game in with my wife, and this is the first game that I've I've played with uh, with my copy because I played oh, it with great. her copy. So what did it, she think? Well, before I before I get into that, okay, I, I want to mention that I gave it a lot of praise before. I'm going to kick this game down a couple notches okay. in terms of quality because I was really kind of irked at the game a little bit uh-huh. because as nice as the insert was my cubes were not square mm, okay uh the the board was warped okay and I, I had neither of those problems but and um and, and there was only one of only one of the uh sections was warped and that was the top right where the quest discards go See, no, I'll 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 kick the game down a minor notch just because uh, of of all the odd reasons. When I went to take a photo to update our our landing page and you know announce the episode and such, of course naturally I, I gravitated to first taking a photo of the game board, and yeah. that's when I realized, wow, this is like the most boring looking game board ever, <laughs> and it really makes an awful picture. Uh, oh, wow. because because well a you know there's no color to it it's it's basically black lines on you know like a parchment I think it is right and mm-hmm. and two there's very few pieces on the board I mean even even in a multiplayer game I mean it's kind of they're all kind of sp- spread out and then you just have the building tiles you build down around the outer edges but there isn't a lot of like graphically there isn't a lot of stuff going on and then it's just kind of these little you know you just put the meeples there so I actually ended up taking a shot of the of the personal sort of uh, uh, whatever they what do you call your player your personal player playing area right where you right. Uh, you you keep you know your party and your gold and your quest cards and all that was actually to me for me a much more interesting photo and captured what you know what it's sort of like to be in the game than than the game board itself which seems sort of boring by comparison so I don't know that was just that was one thing I noticed I was like eh, I think it didn't really work for me the 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 choice they made in the game board yeah. graphics and layout. Yeah. I mean, it, it was really odd where, you know, initially the game got a lot of mm, publicity for being different and, and, and it, and it is. And well, so I'm it, not, you I'm know, not, I'm not reducing my opinion on the game at all based on further plays. Um, yeah. I, I still have the same, the same, you know, concerns about the, the theme isn't as deep as, I would like it to be, or I expected it to be, and I'd like to see that come out more in an expansion. But it, it, for me, one of the highlights of the game is how fast it sets up uh, because of the insert. I don't bother even taking stuff out of the box. I could just kind of, you know, pull the board out and and you know just you, leave it all in there. Yeah, I leave everything in there and just kind of I just the the cubes are really easy to pull out of those little half circles and such. So I like that. I mean, just exactly what we we're talking about—the opposite of the deck builder game. So like ridiculously fast to set up and clean up, and the game itself plays, uh, especially with two, which is one of the reasons I like it too. But uh, it plays extremely fast, and you know, when we played it with more, it, it played fast. Uh, I, I will say, and I may not have mentioned it before, but even though I like it with two, 
I unfortunately do have to say that it doesn't. It's not the best player count for the game. Okay. Uh, because you th- there's some dynamics with the the way that buildings are shared and used that just would work a little bit better with more players, but it's very close, right? So it's not it's not like a lot of games where it's you don't really even get the flavor or feeling with two players. Um, but it's also not like many of the games, like even Colorado or the you know, Zulu we were talking about. I like, almost could ar- would argue, really would almost argue that they're better with two than with more, um, because there's more direct confrontation then, because you know exactly where your opponent's at and and you're playing you know for and against them. And so th- there's a there's not as much of that in Lords of Waterdeep, other than maybe because there's only one other opponent, you might be able to decipher what quests their bonus is for, mm-hmm. right? Like, because, there's only, you know, you see they're always taking the Arcano, um, you know, or they're all, always taking the Warfare one. So you go, okay, well, they must have Warfare. So if it's no different to me, or or maybe there's a whole bunch of them, you know, I'll clear them all out or something. So now there's less opportunity for that. Or, you know, they have more of those. So, you know, I'll try to deny a certain type of cube. But, yeah. So what were the things that you were... What, what are the other reasons so, you're knocking it so, down a notch? So my full list basically is that, I mean, I must have had the whole combination of bad print run or whatever. Okay. So, so on component quality. So Which they'll replace. The, the, board, right? the board is warped. Most of the chits are up maybe about three millimeters off. They're shifted. Yeah, I think uh, you'd mentioned they're that shifted when I first opened Because I talked copy. about that before. Yeah. They're shifted down. The cubes are not square. They're That's bad. What is it? Trap trapezoid. Trapezoid. Yeah, they were like yeah, they were it wasn't aligned whatever the cutting machine was and they were cutting yes. on a slight angle. And the little yeah. meeple guys. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know if, if you would call them meeples in <laughs> in that game. It's sure. agents. They right. call them agents. Mm-hmm. Your the the agents are not cut properly either, where oh. On some of them, like the legs are thicker on one side. Well, and and so I, I think I mentioned my wife really liked the game, and she continues to really like the game. But but also I think because she beat me uh, at it. Although this this last play that we did, we actually added up her scores, and and uh, we thought she'd won by five. What what I had actually done is I had uh, there was uh, a lot of with two players especially the victory points start to stack up on uh, the buildings that don't get built. So I didn't particularly need these buildings, but you know, those are like five victory points or something like that on them. And I did that twice. And so that's 10 points. And really, it was looking like that was going to be enough to sway the game in my favor just for doing that. And we added it all up, and she had still won, and so she was kind of happy because she, she'd beat me multiple times. But then after as I started packing up the game, I was like, oops, I, uh, I completely forgot to add in the... Um, the special quest cards that are the storyline, the plot quests, because mm-hmm. those, and I, I think you were the one, somebody pointed out, I hadn't even been setting it up right. I never actually looked at the player mat and realized that they have kind of this nice way where you shift, uh, you know, normal completed quests get flipped over and placed on the mat, but right. then the ones that have an ongoing benefit kind of get shifted and, and are stored on the right side. Right. And I had done a great job in this one. I wasn't churning through quite as many quest is my wife but i had more of these like engine builder ones where it's now okay for every time you complete this quest you get an extra two victory points or 
every time you do do anything that gives you a fighter, you get an extra fighter. And I, I had four or five of these, and uh, the, some of them even comboed with my uh, Lord of Waterdeep bonus, which was you know then four extra per card. And, and and for whatever reason, when I added up all the final points, I'd just forgotten about these because I don't I never normally had that many of them. And I hadn't stored them in this separate spot all the way, you know, over to the right. So, uh, so then I had to break that news. I was like, I don't know. Do I do I want to just let her think she won? Yes. Uh, yeah, but then I was like, no. But uh, you know, I want to be honest. So. Oh, use yeah. that excuse. So I, had, I had to go. I had to go say, well, you know. Do you know what that game that you, you thought that you won? <laughs> You didn't. Yeah, you didn't win. I won. I won by, and I think it was. It turned out to be five points in my favor. So that it really did come down to the uh, grabbing the victory points on the uh, the aged buildings that hadn't been built. And so I thought that was kind of neat too. That, and it was one of those where I really ha- I did have a very different strategy. I, I I got my victory points very different way than she had gotten hers, and that was kind of neat to then see that they still came out fairly close but not in a way where i felt like randomness had dictated that that five point swing right like there were definable things that that were different and even in strategies right and so i don't know it's still it's still been satisfying for me for as relatively light as it is and and therein because of the fact that it plays quickly is light but still carries uh, some player interaction uh, you know some interesting potential for theming if not theming as it is it, it still works for me i have, further plays haven't reduced my opinion mm-hmm. other than i think the game board sucks and i hadn't really noticed that before i just don't i don't care for the artwork of the game board itself so i think you just ruined it for everybody yeah i'm sorry <laughs> it wasn't until like i said if i hadn't tried to take a photo of it i guess it wouldn't wouldn't have noticed it so much but mm, it's dull oh yeah and you know, as far as the game goes, I, I still enjoy the games. I mean, it, it's it's a fun game. I mean, it just and the it, it was quite it was the game that we played. It was a real shock to me that you know the agents, the cubes, the board, you know everything all at once. And I what about if, the, what about the gameplay? Because you're talking all about components. Again. I said it was okay. It was good. I liked it. Enjoyed it. Okay. It was just a. The components were just a big shocker. I'm a big component guy. I've heard some people complaining about the lid now too, if, especially if you like drag this game around the game night. No way that lid's surviving, you know, being shoved in and out of your game bag without splitting. I think into it a, tears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you keep that together? It's it's one thing. It's on your shelf. I don't even store it vertically. I've actually got it horizontal on top of my Conquest of Nerath, uh, but. You know, yeah, I could absolutely see if you're if you're carting this thing around the game night, that's not going to hold together. It's not a good choice. That's uh, component-wise, my biggest complaint. Kudos for trying something new and being different, you know, and thinking outside of the box. But I guess there's a reason why <laughs> games come in. I wish everybody would just stop that, right? Forget these courier tins. Forget these. Uh, like the Forbidden Island uh, tins and, you know, uh, the the car. I hate the card game packs too, right? I want everything in a little box, right? With a lid, it, it sits on a shelf nice, it stacks nice, it goes into a game bag nice. Absolutely add a couple of bucks to the cost if, if it really is needed um, to do that. Yeah, it'd just be nice if everything could just stack together so nice well that too i you know at some level you wonder why all these slight variations like can't they just all get together 
and go, okay, this is going to be the square box size, and this is going to be the elongated size, and then, you know, we'll have this one other one. But try to pick within the, you know, these standard sizes. So, um, so the OCD amongst us can have these oh, perfectly yeah. aligned bookshelves, right? So, mm-hmm. And and I gotta say that space, that Quarriers ten, so annoying. I'm gonna throw mine so, out. So so annoying. When they when they have that next expansion that finally comes in a box. Uh, I'll just smash mine on a video or something. And I actually and, keep expansion boxes, so that would be a first for me. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. Because you never know when you're going to sell it or trade it or a new version or who knows what. So. Mm-hmm. And I can usually ferret out a couple extra bucks for having kept it. So, uh, But no, I, I think this one I'll just smash. It just annoys me that much. It was a dumb, dumb, dumb idea. Too gimmicky for no good reason. And one thing that would be nice too is to have Games that come out with expansions where everything fits in one box. You know, it doesn't always happen. Did you get uh, Style is the Goal, Stone Age? I did. Yeah, I've uh, finally punched it. I haven't played it, haven't got to the table yet. Is, uh, you know, I, I punched mine, of course, as soon as I got it. So I don't, I don't wait for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's my obsession. Speaking anyway. of components, they punch really nice. I love the cl- super clean cuts, no little phalanges as I like to call them, <laughs> uh, st- stuck to stuff. I mean, just yeah. completely laser cut all the way around. Nice solid, mm-hmm. you know, thwomp as you oh, absolutely. punch them out. You know, not quite where, you know, you lift up the sheet and everything falls out. But like, this is know. exactly my point, and we've talked about it a couple of times. But so as 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 a uh, as the counter sheets go. I, I'm still use the the old war game turn, right? But chip sheets, whatever you want to call those things, uh, this is exactly what every one should be. So they're not so loose; they all they fall all over the box, and you're missing half of them to begin with. But there's nothing that's kind of a ta- they're not really held on by anything either. It just takes a little bit of force, and out they come. So, mm-hmm. like you said, uh, as it should be. Yeah. But w- one thing that was interesting about that game is uh, I haven't tried this yet. But they say that if you take the insert out of the expansion and put it in the main box, then everything fits in the main box. That's neat. I'll have to try that. I hadn't I hadn't really looked at that. I, I did uh, after I threw out the uh, the empty you know punch sheets. I went back and retrieved them and put them underneath the insert. So. <laughs> there you go. I've been trying to remember to do that. I mean, I've, yeah, me too. I, I did do that back in the day, but I don't know how I got. I kind of get got out of that. It's easy to forget. Yeah. If it's not a really good insert, I switch to Planos anyway. So. Or you keep the insert and keep the Planos. If I can. Inside. Inside. Sometimes sometimes I, I find creative ways to uh, fit the smaller Plano boxes in there and still keep the inserts. Other times I have to like cut apart a little bit of the insert to make one fit. And if it comes to it, I just chuck the whole thing. Did you play anything else or was that pretty much about it? The only other thing I played of note would be Ground Floor, but I have quite a bit to say on that one, so we'll have to save that for next time. Okay, little teaser for next show then. Yeah, yeah. as well as uh, I've been playing tons and tons of uh, Stefan Feld games. Uh, we had announced back, and might have even been like episode two, that we wanted to do a show just on Stefan Feld games. And so as part of that, I figured, well, I don't want to do it all on memory for some of the, his games I haven't played in ages. Uh, so I, I made a, 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 you know, a task for myself to go back and play every one of his games that I'd ever played or hadn't played for that matter. 
at least two times currently in the last, say, month to two months. And, and so I've done that. So, so since there's nine games that fall into that category, that means I've played a minimum of 18 Stefan Feld games, of which I haven't uttered a word of <laughs> uh, on the show anyway. And, uh, and actually, in some cases, I've played, it, played them many more than two times. So it's probably about 30 games of, of Stefan Feld um, that we have to talk about coming up perhaps in the next episode. I think we'll be uh, at a point where we'll, we'll be ready to do that and sort of talk about what are his best games, what are his worst games, and, and you've played a bunch of them yourself, right? Correct. So, uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe five or six of them out of the nine. So uh, so that should be a fun show, and, you know, if uh, if that works out well, maybe we'll do, uh, we'll pick another designer or uh, publisher or something and, and just do a focus show on, on the, the their uh, their games. Absolutely. So I believe that is a wrap. Yes. For uh, episode number nine. Make sure to check out our website at www.thisboardgamelife.com where you can find our RSS feeds to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Uh, you can also find our email contact at thisboardgamelife.com. Send us comments, questions, uh, all that good stuff. You can also send us an MP3. Uh, record yourself uh, with comments or questions send it off to us at contact at this boardgamelife.com and hear yourself on a future episode right and and uh if you want to call our voicemail 754-444-TBGL which is uh 754-444-8245 that's another way to get uh get yourself on the show uh this way we're not just talking at you Uh, like you uh have other opinions other thoughts on the show as well uh also join our bgg guild there's a link to that on our website so it'll take you right to that and you can hit subscribe or join whichever it is join and then you subscribe uh but we really were interested to see who listens to the show and what games you have how you might rate them find out more about the other side again so it's just not all a one-sided show and for all of you itunes subscribers uh, with your apple devices and such go to itunes and rate us five stars so we can Again, that concludes episode number nine. This is Robin Jeff signing out.